Do you dream of wearing a hoodie or t-shirt bearing the intricate and mysterious design of a Han Dynasty bronze mirror? Or featuring one of our seasonal logos like the Dogu or Kofun Tomb? Make that dream come true at the podcast's official merch store, found at ahistoryofjapan.threadless.com. Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 6, Episode 20, The Genpei War, Part 2, A Reversal of Fortune. When we last left Minamoto Yoritomo, he was up a tree, or rather, in a tree. He had just taken part in his first battle and lost. While we do not know whether or not he really hid himself inside a hollow tree, we do know that he survived and made his way to safety. Supposedly, a samurai who had just fought under the Taira banner who was secretly loyal to the Minamoto discovered the chief of the Kawachi Genji clan and helped him escape from Sagami province. Many exciting stories of close calls and narrow evasions were spun in the years that followed, and certainly his escape may have become a harrowing affair. In any case, he boarded a boat that took him from Sagami to Awa province on the eastern Bosol Peninsula, which today is part of Tokyo Harbor. By the time Yoritomo arrived safely in Awa, news had come regarding the Miura clan, who had been attempting to reinforce the Minamoto army at Ishibashiyama, but was unable to ford the flood-swelled Sakawa River. The Taira allied troops who had handed Yoritomo his defeat had likewise enveloped the Miura warband and slaughtered them. Things had, to put it mildly, gone poorly. However, not everything was quite as hopeless as I've made it sound. Because affairs in Heian-kyo had escalated much more quickly than anyone in Kanto anticipated, the process of assembling a proper army of Minamoto hereditary vassals and newly recruited samurai had only just begun when the Battle of Ishibashiyama took place. Had Yoritomo been killed in that battle, his head would have been paraded through the streets of the capital, and the Ise Taira may have managed to keep the nation within their grasp. His escape was a huge blunder on the part of the enemy commanders, and while his arrival in Awa may have been darkened by news of the doomed Miura clan reinforcements, it also gave Yoritomo a chance at a fresh start. While some Kanto samurai who had hereditary vassalage ties to the Minamoto had pledged allegiance to the Taira, there were many still who had not joined with the samurai chancellor. While some of these were probably guided by a sense of honor and obligation, it's also worth noting that, for many of them, the Taira clan simply hadn't asked. Yoritomo was joined in Awa province by his father-in-law Hojo Tokimasa and Miura Yoshizumi. Politically speaking, they seemed to be on somewhat shaky ground as Prince Mochihito, who had originally sent out the call to arms to support his own candidacy for the throne, was now dead. However, many of the Minamoto-aligned samurai of Kanto had been frozen out of opportunities in the capital, and most did not care about matters of legitimacy and strictly correct imperial claims. A major factor which turned many provincial samurai of Kanto against the Taira clan was the rapacious attitudes of the governors and other provincial officials appointed by Kiyomori and his clan. 
The Fertile East had long been a source of vast wealth for those willing to extract it, and the Tyra allied agents tasked with collecting that tax had engaged in extremely repressive and violent measures to acquire it. After his humiliating defeat at Ishibashi-yama, and even more humiliating flight therefrom, Minamoto Yoritomo gathered his retainers and set out on a march all the way up the Bosol Peninsula through Awa, Kazusa, Shimosa, Musashi, and finally Sagami provinces, making a large counterclockwise loop until almost arriving back at Ishibashi-yama itself. That particular battlefield, however, was not his destination. He was going to Kamakura. The humble fishing village of Kamakura was a far cry from the bustling metropolis which exists there today. Located on the southern coast of Sagami province, this settlement was home to one of the late Minamoto Yoshitomo's vast mansions, and had been used by the Seiwa Genji of Kanto as their regional seat of power for generations. Yoritomo had been living in exile in Izu province since he was 13, but now he was coming home. During the long march through five of the eight Kanto provinces, his retainers dispatched messages summoning the hereditary vassals of the Minamoto clan to gather at Kamakura and prepare for the next phase in their struggle against the Ise Taira. Some of these vassals had grown very influential in their own right and brought networks of their own vassal samurai under the command of the Minamoto army. Hojo Tokimasa himself traveled to Kai province to recruit the powerful Takeda clan, and traveled through Kozuke province where he managed to also convince the Nita to join the anti-Taira coalition. Yoritomo's uncle, Minamoto Yukie, successfully recruited various supporters to the north of the Tokaido, the great road that linked Kanto and Kansai. These small warbands would prove ideal for breaking the supply lines of and generally harassing the incoming pro-Taira army, which would be arriving any day. Kiyomori was not idle in the face of Yoritomo's preparations. He appointed his grandson Taira Koremori as shogun over this army, the only son of his late heir Taira Shigemori. Koremori was 22 and was more of a kuge than a samurai. It could be that Kiyomori believed a victory over the eastern rabble was inevitable and that his grandson needed to start building his warrior cred. However, a few factors were at play that set the Taira army at a great disadvantage. A rumor spread among the rank and file that Prince Mochihito had not actually been executed at the Battle of Uji Bridge, and that he managed to flee to the east where he galvanized a Kanto army against loyalist forces in Fukuhara-kyo. This rumor likely began as Kuge tried to work out the logic behind Minamoto Yoritomo's continued belligerence in spite of the upstart prince's supposed execution. Koremori's inexperience also proved detrimental in the long run as supply lines began being harassed and cut off entirely as they entered Kanto. The timing of this could not have been worse as harvests had been poor in recent years, and so the amount of local stores available for his troops to plunder was minimal. By the time they crossed into Suruga province, Minamoto Yoritomo's network of eyes and ears were already giving him regular updates on their movements, and he tracked them quite comfortably from his lavish home in Kamakura. The Taira army entered Suruga from the southwest, coming along the Tokaido Road, which runs near the southern coast of Chubu and Kanto. 
By the time they reached a large river called Fujigawa, the Minamoto army was arriving as well, encamping on its eastern bank while the traveling Taira army was assembling on the western bank. Yoritomo led this army himself, though his more influential retainers largely maintained direct command over their own warbands. The river Fujigawa is wide, and the Taira seemed content to encamp for the night, certain that their sentries could give them ample warning time if the enemy began crossing from the far bank. That night, however, the leader of the Kai warband, Takeda Nobuyushi, took 600 troops north and crossed Fujigawa in secret, possibly even unbeknownst to Yoritomo. They marched south toward the Taira camp, and before they could be spotted they came across a massive flock of waterfowl in a nearby marsh. The birds became frightened and flew away en masse, an event which could have spelled doom for the Takeda detachment. The Taira army was probably several thousand strong and under normal circumstances could have easily repelled or enveloped an ambush of 600 soldiers. However, these were not normal circumstances. Startled awake by the squawking of alarmed birds and probably hungry from the minimal rations, the Taira-allied samurai rushed from their tents to see a mounted force wearing enemy banners galloping quickly towards their position. Worse, the sound of the birds had alerted the rest of the Minamoto army on the opposite bank, who quickly donned their armor, mounted their horses, and began fording the river. Many of those in the Taira army fled as quickly as they could, and those who were left in the camp were slaughtered mercilessly by Yoritomo's army. Not wanting to risk a nighttime pursuit, Yoritomo and his fellow leaders ordered their army to return to their camp on the eastern bank. The remaining Taira force reassembled and, once they had assessed the situation, opted for an orderly retreat. The tale of the Heike and other pro-Minamoto sources claim that the Battle of Fujigawa, as this relatively minor encounter is named, resulted in massive casualties in the thousands for the Taira army, and that their samurai unfastened their armor as they rode to make swift their fleeing. These accounts are usually treated with skepticism by historians, as is the claim that only a few dozen Taira-allied samurai survived the encounter. Certainly they returned to Fukuhara-kyo with their tails between their legs, along with their disgraced commander Taira Koremori, but they probably assured themselves that this was just a minor setback and a matter of bad luck. The Taira clan was in for more bad luck, as it turned out. In Higo province, which is on the west-central side of Kyushu, the Kikuchi clan had taken up arms against the Taira deputies extracting taxes there, while in Satsuma province, directly south of Higo, a samurai leader named Taira Tadakage raised a rebel army and successfully pushed the Taira partisans out of the province. This might seem strange that this rebellion was led by someone with the surname Taira, but I do not know whether he was actually related to Kiyomori's branch of the Taira tree, or whether his father was honored by being granted the use of the surname or what. Much closer to home, in Omi and Ki provinces, both situated in Kansai, saw continual disturbances from religious malcontents allegedly angry over Kiyomori favoring Itsukushima Shrine and withholding funding from the Kumano Shrines. Kofukuji, whom you may remember in the previous episode, failed to show up in time to save Minamoto Yoshimasa or Prince Mochihito, decided to throw their weight behind the Omi rebels and their leader Yamamoto Yoshitsune, and they sent their Sohei army to help in the effort to resist Taira hegemony. 
Kiyomori dispatched an army under the command of his third son, Taira Tomomori, to end this outrageous uprising in the home provinces. Tomomori and his lieutenants pursued this mission with icy ruthlessness as they burned rebel homesteads, including the estate of Yamamoto Yoshitsune, and chased the troublemakers out of Kansai. There would be no ritual samurai challenges and whistling arrows, only cold steel and night ambushes. The choice of the monks of Kofukuji to involve themselves in this matter would soon reveal itself to be a devastating blunder. Furious with the interloping of the Nara Temple, in early 1181, Kiyomori ordered his youngest son, Shigehira, to pacify the rebellious ordinance once and for all. The monks of Kofukuji built palisades and other defensive structures meant to keep the samurai at bay, and these measures were reported to have been fairly successful. Wanting to fulfill his mission and possibly gain his father's gratitude and favor, Shigehira ordered his men to use fire against the wooden defenses, which were quickly engulfed in flames. The greedy conflagration spread to the Kofukuji temple buildings themselves, and they burned to the ground, killing hundreds of people who had sought shelter from the samurai invasion. Even more tragically, the fire spread to Todaiji Temple, and it was likewise reduced to cinders and the people within killed. The bronze Daibutsu statue housed in Todaiji was warped by the flames, and its form melted into an unrecognizable lump of slag. This incident, seen at the time as merciless slaughter from bloodthirsty Taira thugs, closed the door to any support they may have otherwise received from Enryakuji. It's difficult to say whether the outcome of the Genpei War would have changed had Kiyomori managed to recruit the Sohei to his side of the aisle, but it certainly didn't help the Taira cause to so firmly cement their reputation as anti-religious tyrants. While all of this was happening in Kansai, things in the east were starting to take shape for Minamoto Yoritomo. His cousin Kiso Yoshinaka also rose in rebellion in Shinano province, located in eastern Chubu, which is a critical central province in the east, and overthrew the Taira authorities there. Kiso Yoshinaka had originally used the Minamoto surname, but began using Kiso because he was raised in the Kiso Mountains during his exile. Minamoto Yoritomo, meanwhile, was about to completely change the game. He had attracted many samurai clans to his cause by promising to undo the damage wrought by the Taira clan and restore the estates they had lost under Taira leadership. Now that he had driven the Taira from Kanto, it was time to make good on that promise. With the assistance of the Hojo, Takeda, and other powerful clans supporting him, he founded the Samurai Dokoro, the Office of Samurai Affairs. This bureaucratic institution was dedicated to restoring the land rights previously enjoyed by the samurai clans of Kanto before the Taira began seizing their shoens. The Samurai Dokoro was a big deal because it gave the samurai something they had been sorely lacking in their historical existence, their very own bureaucracy. Often the provincial governments, usually in partnership with Kuge who held key posts in relevant bureaus in Heian-kyo, would use forged land records to cheat the samurai out of a portion of the land they owned or to pay higher taxes. The creation of the Samurai Dokoro made Minamoto Yoritomo the champion of the samurai class and made those who fought for him more determined to bring him ultimate victory, knowing that their prosperous futures were now tied to his triumph. Yoritomo also found time during these months of breathing room to reunite with his younger brother Yoshitsune. 
We discussed him and his Sohei retainer Benkei a little bit in episode 18, The Monks of War. While Yoritomo had been sent to exile in Izu, Yoshitsune had been under the care of the northern Fujiwara samurai clan of Hiraizumi in Mutsu province. He already had a fearsome reputation as a skilled swordsman, as we saw from the story of his encounter with Benkei, and he was reputed to have learned his fancy blade work from Tengu, which are roughly the Japanese equivalent of goblins. By the end of 1180, the Minamoto of Kanto were clearly on the rise, while the Issei Taira had been shown not only to be vulnerable to overthrow, but possibly weak enough for the slightest breeze to knock them over. At the end of that year, Kiyomori bowed to the constant requests from the Kuge and the imperial family to move back to Heian-kyo and make it the official capital once more. Thus ended Fukuhara-kyo's six-month stretch as the capital of Japan. This all happened just before the raising of Kofukuji and Todaiji. In the spring of 1181, plans were underway for a renewed offensive against the eastern rebels. However, in March, Taira Kiyomori grew extremely ill with a high fever and was confined to a sickbed. The tale of the Heike claims, outlandishly, that Kiyomori's body was so hot that those who came too close suffered burns. There was little question in anyone's mind, least of all Kiyomori's, that the samurai chancellor was at death's door. He set his affairs in order as best he could, and his most famous dying wish was that they would place the head of Minamoto Yoritomo upon his tomb once the upstart from Kanto had been vanquished. Taking over as the head of the Issei Taira clan was his oldest son, Taira Munemori. This was not a default inheritance, but a dying wish directly from Kiyomori's mouth. I always feel a great deal of pity for Munemori, who had served in a variety of offices both military and civilian throughout his life, but who was by no means capable of taking up his father's mantle. His beloved wife Kiyoko died tragically in the summer of 1178, and early the next year he resigned his position in government and seemed determined to stay away from politics for the rest of his life. The tale of the Heike and other sources often paint Munemori as an incompetent buffoon who couldn't find his own left armpit with two hands and a flashlight, but I believe that his grief and general desire to withdraw from the troubles of the world should also be taken into consideration. The first order of business for the new head of the Issei Taira clan was to get the nation back under Taira control. In April 1181, Munimori dispatched his younger brothers Tomomori and Shigehira to punish Minamoto encroachment on the border of Owari and Mino provinces. Minamoto Yukiye, the brother of the late Yoshitomo and therefore uncle of Yoritomo, was leading an army west towards Omi province. The Taira army set up camp on the western side of a river named Sunomatagawa in order to halt Yukiye's advance. This particular Minamoto warband, likely fewer in number than their Taira counterparts, encamped upon the eastern bank of the river and planned a nighttime assault. In small numbers, they swam across the considerably wide Sunomatagawa with the goal of infiltrating the Taira camp and then springing a deadly ambush from within. The commanders of the Taira army, however, soon realized what was happening as they noticed small bands of samurai whose armor and clothes were dripping with water. I always like to imagine a nervous Minamoto soldier trying to explain why he was sopping wet to a Taira officer who demanded an explanation. Before Yukie's warband could spring its terribly clever trap, 
The Tyra commanders had passed the order that every wet samurai was to be killed on their signal. They gave the signal, and a slaughter ensued, followed by a mounted Tyra expedition to the far bank of the Sunomatagawa. The Minamoto were routed, and Yukie had no choice but to flee, but he did manage to survive. While Yoritomo was the obvious target of Taira clan ire, his cousin Kiso Yoshinaka was a much more immediate threat. At the time, he controlled practically the entirety of Shinano province, but there was still a strong Taira presence in Echigo to its north. In July of 1181, these Taira partisans made their move, raising an army and marching on the provincial capital of Shinano, which Kiso Yoshinaka had been using as his headquarters. Aided by members of the Takeda clan, Yoshinaka arranged for a rather devious surprise attack in response. After the Taira army was repulsed in their initial attempt to raid the capital, Yoshinaka's soldiers pursued them as they attempted to regroup. At a place called Yokotogawara, the Taira troops rejoiced as a significant number of samurai carrying Taira banners seemed to be approaching to reinforce their position and join them in crushing the Minamoto. As soon as these reinforcements surrounded the rear of the Taira army, they discarded their red banners and installed the white Minamoto banners instead. They then closed in on the Taira sympathizers and utterly crushed them. While the Battle of Yokotogawara was a major debacle and an embarrassment for the Taira clan, not all the news from 1181 was bad news. The uprisings in Kyushu had been momentarily snuffed, though many of the ringleaders still survived and would continue to make life difficult in the future. A dark cloud hung over the nation, however, as crop yields continued to remain at levels too low to sustain the population. The Taira government may have rejoiced in 1181 when Minamoto Yoritomo sent messengers requesting a ceasefire, thinking that perhaps the Kanto upstart was already folding under the pressure of leadership. By early 1182, however, any such rejoicing was over. The nation was in the grip of a serious famine, and the Genpei War would just have to wait its turn. A ceasefire was called, and both factions refocused on managing food distribution and praying for a bumper crop in the harvest to come. While this pressing crisis held the attention of both Yoritomo and Munimori, it would not last forever. Eventually, the two sides would draw up battle lines once more, let their whistling arrows fly, and the war would continue. Next time, we will return to the Genpei War as it resumes, and Kiso Yoshinaka takes the fight to the Taira in earnest. Until then, thank you for listening. If you would like access to exclusive bonus episodes, as well as ad-free versions of the regular episodes, please consider supporting this podcast at patreon.com slash ahistoryofjapan.